Let's go. Welcome in. Dogpile Podcast live with you here tonight. What up? <laughs> Hope everybody's doing well. Hail State. Hope you uh, enjoyed the, um, or partook, I should say, in the Cowbell Challenge with Jimmy Fallon. We kind of took that thing over, right? Or we think we did anyway. Like, I don't know that um, Jimmy Fallon initially issued the Cowbell Challenge with ring the cowbell in mind. It was more like hit the cowbell like they do on Saturday Night Live, right? But we took it over. We rang cowbells, and that's just kind of like the way it is. It's what we did. So welcome into Dogpile Podcast on this Friday night. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. Check them out right there. They are the home team, hometown heroes. Presented to you by Mississippi. Say it with me. Land Bank! Visit them online, Mississippi Land Bank. They understand the lay of the land. Look, and I give you the Twitter handles and things like that pretty often. Um, Listen, if you're in North Mississippi, okay, and you're a farmer, certainly if you're already a Mississippi Land Bank customer, if um, you've been thinking about doing some business with them, I really encourage you to go one of two places. One, their website, mslandbank.com. Another is just go to their Twitter feed. It's at MS Land Bank and uh, check out some of the recent updates. They, like everyone else in our country, adjusting their schedules here and there because they're not only trying to protect you if you need to come by and do some business, but also protecting the people that work for them. So, you know, different hours, different policies about walking in and all that kind of stuff. It's the same as everywhere else. And so uh, check out the Mississippi Land Bank uh, policies right there. What's happening? Glad y'all are tuned in here tonight. So here's what we're going to do, as you may have seen. If you're joining us on Facebook, let me get you pulled up so that I can see your comments. Um, I'm going to go through uh, some updates. Okay, as of this week, a few of the things that were said by people that have the information that are making the decisions about all this stuff. And look, we're a long way from anything really shaking loose, and I think you and I know that and appreciate that. But I think what is good is to stay connected as consistently as we can with the people who are moving and shaking and going to and are going to make the decisions, okay? And so um, we'll start off with Greg Sankey of the SEC. We will uh, then take a listen to John Cohen, and uh, we will then um, listen to what Mike Leach said on today's radio show. <clears throat> It looks like we might be a little bit locked up over there on Facebook. If we are, um, I apologize. I'll just have to post it later if that's the case, if we're not actually streaming live. Um, we'll do the best we can on that. Let me see if I can get it pulled up. Because I really want to be able to see everyone's uh, comments uh, on the Facebook page, if at all possible. Also, going to get you pulled up here on Periscope in just a sec where I can see your comments there as well. If we run into any kind of streaming issue where it's going to lock up or anything like that, then uh, we'll start it over. But so far, we seem to be doing okay. All right. So, again, back to kind of the order. I just want you know, you to hear it from, I think, as I said earlier uh, this week, <clears throat> sort of from the horse's uh, mouth, so to speak. And um, hey to everybody tuning in on Facebook. Bunch of y'all. Good to see you. So Sankey, going to hear from Cohen. They were on the, uh, or, or Cohen was on the show this week. Sankey did his teleconference. 
Uh, I'm going to hear from Mike Leach. He was on the show. I'll tell you where you can go and find and listen to the entire Mike Leach interview several places. It was really good. I thought it was. It was fun. It wasn't that long. It was about 20 minutes, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, let's see. I want you to moderate comments, tap or swipe. Left. I don't want to mute the comments. I really hope that I'm able to see your comments on Periscope because I want to play the sound for you. Um, but I should be able to see them. <clears throat> Let's test it out. I see the hearts on Facebook. I mean, I'm sorry, on on um, on Periscope, I see the hearts. Somebody shoot me a comment, like a thumbs up or something. I'm going to make sure I can see it. If I can't, we'll adjust and do something different. Ah, uh, then, really looking forward to tonight's Dogpile Flashback presented by the Mississippi State University Golf Course. By the way, wearing a new shirt, kind of a fishing shirt. It's really thin, the long sleeves, you know, got the old baseball logo. Really appreciate Adam and the folks at the golf course for hooking me up. Uh, so thanks for the new shirt. You hear me? Thanks for the new shirt. Hey, and also I uh, want to remind you, we are presented by Mississippi Land Bank, also presented in part by Country Pleasing Sausage. See the big hog over here? See the hog? Country Pleasing. Look for that Country Pleasing brand from Country Meat Packers right there, Florence, Mississippi. Great Mississippi company. But Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. Uh, I heard somebody today talking about how they went into a store. There was They were out. Then he goes to Walmart, and he happened to arrive just at the moment when they were putting out all the, the new stock of Country Pleasing Sausage in the uh, freezer there, so he was able to stock up. Uh, so y'all hit them up. And if you're in the Jackson area or south of there, their butcher shop, Country Meat Packers, is right there in Florence, right on Highway 49. Stop in and... All kinds of goodies in there as well. And it's the real deal. Country Pleasing Sausage is the real deal. There's no parts that go into the making of it. There's no junk. It's strictly hand-picked hams, bacons, and pork loins, and that's what goes into the sausage, and that's why it tastes as good as it does. Also brought to you in part by Nest and Wild Mattresses. And I just I want you to check it out, okay? And it's a great offer that's going on right now. Um specifically for my listeners and Dogpile Podcast listeners. You may or may not be sleeping well, but there's a really good chance. All right, seeing your comments. Hey, Max, seeing your comments on Periscope. There is a really good chance that you're not sleeping on as high a quality mattress as the ones that they are making and selling and delivering to you from Nest and Wild. Nest and Wild is a great Mississippi company. They are making... All American-made mattresses, no parts from anywhere else. It's made every bit of it right here, the mattress and the base. Every mattress they make at Nest and Wild is 12 inches thick, not like the 8-inch or 10-inch ones that a lot of us have and have had and are buying elsewhere. Every size, from Twin right on up to California King, they're all 12 inches thick. Really high-quality mattresses, okay? And here's the other thing. With a code, you get a big discount. Use my code. It's bully20, B-U-L-L-Y-2-0, bully20, for a 20% discount on the cost of any of the mattresses from Nest and Wild, and you'll get a free pillow top mattress cover with it using that code bully20. They'll deliver it. It'll show up on your doorstep in three to five days, and then you can sleep on it for up to 99 nights while you make a decision. It's just a really cool opportunity for you. Go to nestandwild.com. And use code BULLY20. Got it? Good. All right. So uh, first up, 
I want to say uh, hi to the folks watching over here on the Facebook live stream. Dale, what's up with you? Anna, good to see you as well. Lynn says, Hail State Matt watching 85 Bears and listening to me. Man, what an honor. Refrigerator Perry, Sweetness, McMahon, Ditka, Da Bears. Lane uh, says, Hail State from a very weird and sad Destin, Florida. I bet. I bet it's a lot different right now. Hello to uh, Lynn. Hello to Barry, who's in Asheville. Hey, look at here. Gus is tuning in from Selma, Alabama. I have uh, family living in Selma. My uncle Jeff and Aunt Dottie uh, living right there in Selma. Actually, uh, Gus, my family, we lived in Selma when I was a little bitty guy. As a matter of fact, I went to kindergarten and first grade at a, a school there in, uh, in Selma. Yeah, so we know all about it. My dad was the pastor at Fairview Baptist Church in Selma, Alabama for a little while. So uh, hi to everyone in Selma and to you guys. Joyce says, uh, Hail State, we're all in this together. Dale on Facebook says, uh, my son has gone bass fishing wild. What advice would you give him at 13 years old? I need help. Dale, um, I would tell you this. YouTube is an incredible resource nowadays, and I didn't have it when I was really into it and kind of learning all that stuff. I didn't have YouTube, which I had. So in terms of like knot tying and, and lures and baits and different techniques and all that kind of stuff. But I would also say this time of year uh, is a great, I don't know if you have a boat, if you don't uh, walk around the edge of a pond, this time of year is a good time to start getting familiar with topwater baits. Now they you know, given like tonight, you got a cold front or a cool front that comes in. It changes and rains here and there. But if fish are moving up shallow, thinking about spawning, throw those top waters. Yeah, throw those top waters. It's fun to watch them blow it up. And now through the end of April is a really good time. Uh, Norman says, you're rolling. Russell says, share the show. How do I do that? You want others to share the show? I appreciate that, Russell, the encouragement right there. Hey to Lynn and Mike, who's tuned in. Brian, hey to you. What's up, Chris? Uh, Chris says, uh, did you see the tweet I tweeted about Pete Rose on Twitter? Yes, I did see that, Chris. Appreciate you sending me that. Didn't really have time to uh, get into reading it. Been a fr- weird, but a busy Friday for me. Uh, over here on the uh, Periscope feed, Max says, uh, good evening, fellow Bulldog family. He did say, Dad, get your boy a boat. Yeah, it'd be great to have a boat, wouldn't it? Aluminum. That's my advice. Not fiberglass, aluminum. Take it or leave it. In Agent 25 on uh, Periscope says that country pleasing logo making me hungry. Listen, I've lost a bunch of weight over the last month to month and 10 days or so. Really right at 20 pounds. And I'm just doing it by, you know, counting calories, cutting back on what I'm eating. But I still eat country pleasing sausage every single morning at breakfast. <laughs> I sure do. True story. Um, Max says, look for the tournament frog, great topwater bait. The great thing about frogs is, uh, you know, the the weedless topwater frogs is they are weedless. And like you get in some of these ponds and areas where there's junk or lily pads or whatever, you can put on a kid's rod and you don't have to worry about them getting hung up. They can't get it hung up. Now, you do have to worry about the hook set. You know, one's really got to take it. And you really got to set the hook. And that's why I use braided line when I'm throwing a topwater frog. 
especially around junk, because he's braided line. I'm not losing it, and I can pull it out of anything if it gets you know kind of bogged down. And with those weedless hooks kind of sticking up, you don't have to worry about it um, getting hung. So that's a great that's great advice. Uh, and then a couple more comments here on Facebook. Then we'll get into the sound bites, and I can't wait to get into our egg bowl flashback that I promised you coming up here on Dogpile Podcast, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Keith says, enjoy the interview with Coach Leach, a.k.a. the Pirate. This guy is very comfortable in his own skin. God broke the mold when he made that dude. <laughs> I love talking to him. And, I, you know, he and I were just getting going in the Lewis and Clark subject. It seems like we share that in common, that interest in that whole thing. And then the music started, and it ended the interview, and so maybe I can pick that back up with him another time. But I, I, here's the thing about it. You know this. Once they do get back and get going, they are going to be incredibly busy 24 hours a day trying to play catch-up on everything. Jay says, we can he- continue to hear the Leach offense is easy to learn. Does this uncertainty regarding future practice time potentially give the dogs an advantage in 2020? Jay in Baltimore. Jay, I thought about that as well, and I think, yes, if it's true, and everybody says it is. Gardner Minshew says it is. They all say it's it's easy to comprehend and learn. Then it's just about doing it over and over again with a really high level of precision. Well, if that's the case, then a short time to learn it and get it in, maybe, maybe it is an advantage. <clears throat> Hail State to John. Um, and then he says, do you have any specific YouTube channels or people uh, for looking at some of the fishing stuff? I don't right off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't. But I'll um, if I can think of some, I might bring it. To, we're going to do this uh, again tomorrow night. We'll be on Dog Pile. If I can think of some between now and tomorrow night, I'll I'll um, I'll give you some recommendations, John. And then uh, finally, Chris over here on Facebook says, uh, "Good night, Matt. Maybe I'll catch the whole uh, the whole one next time. Keep up the great work, buddy. The Lamb smiling on you from heaven. Yeah, Roger Lamb, absolutely. Okay." Here it is. Let's listen in on some of this. Play these for you. I'll kind of give you a brief explanation. Uh, first up, Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC. None of this is really that surprising, but it may be some stuff that as state fans this week and you're dealing with your own you know, personal things this week and work and working from home and finances and getting food and where's the toilet paper and all that kind of stuff, uh, you might have missed this. He had a teleconference where he answered questions from reporters. Uh, two or three things here I want you to hear. First of all, he was asked, Greg Sankey was asked about the financial impact of all of this on the SEC. Listen closely to the way that he answered this. Well, the financial impact, candidly, does not been at the forefront of our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made decisions based on the health and well-being of people around our programs. There certainly are revenue implications uh, we have staff working through those. I'm certain every conference is working to assess the, the financial impact. And uh, I'm not going to make predictions other than we've seen alterations in the NCAA tournament that no doubt will have a financial impact. Uh, I'm grateful to be in the Southeastern Conference. There's no place I'd rather be in these uh, tu- uh, um, tumultuous times. Uh, and and I'm, I'm certain we'll move forward financially in a positive way, but we'll have to figure out all of the adjustments and impacts in the, in the days and weeks ahead. So, you know, the way he answered the question was, hey, frankly, 
it, that's the financial impact of all this has really been on the back burner of the discussions until this point. And I believe that. I talked to Scott Strickland this week uh, on the show as well, and that was another theme in his talk was how really these people that are making the decisions, they are first and foremost concerned about getting the players back into their routine. And there's a lot of confidence that they're going to be okay in terms of making it through the uh, financial impact part of this thing. All right, what about spring football practice? I, I don't have any expectation that any spring practice is going to be happening for anybody. But it was a kind of a diplomatic answer, a way to answer it by Sankey before at the end he basically said the, the, the window to do it is really narrow. If you look at uh, the national public messaging about no gatherings above 50, certainly difficult to conduct any football practice under that limitation. And even with smaller numbers that have been communicated, 10 is often referenced. Uh, thereby making it impossible into May, as has been stated. So I'm not going to be overly optimistic about the return to practice. We haven't fully foreclosed that opportunity, but I think practically that window is pretty narrow. That window is pretty narrow. Not closing the door, the window is pretty narrow. Look, you can forget about any spring football practice not happening. Then it's all about could they practice in the summer? You know, Could everything get pushed back? Best-case scenario, society, everything gets back up on its feet. We're able to get together, and the the size of the groups don't matter and all that, and we can get back to it in the summer. Listen to that thought from Sankey about possibly having this, what is 15 days of practice, or 15 practices, but doing it later in the year. Uh, I'm confident, in fact, if we're not able to practice further this spring, I'm confident that we'll be seeking opportunities to make sure our teams are adequately prepared heading into the season. I don't mean to be obtuse in that answer. It's just we're dealing with a lot of these undefined circumstances, but just know on our mind is how do we help our teams adequately prepare in advance of the fall season. So they will be. if, If this thing does start to trend at some point, in the months to come, that we're going to get back on track by the fall and we're going to get back up on the hill and then we're going to start riding along like normal this fall with football. So if that starts to happen, now that may be a long shot. I'm not the expert on all this stuff. But if that were to happen, what he's saying is they're going to look at all of the possibilities that would allow the teams and the players to be ready to play a season. What does that mean? I don't know. Again, it's a diplomatic way to answer this stuff, and it is transparent. He's not holding anything back, and that is telling in and of itself. Okay, and we're talking about this from a Mississippi State perspective on this podcast, but listen, this is the commissioner of the SEC who has as much access to information and and real, you know, Real information that's going to affect the decisions. Real access to pick up the phone and call other big-time decision-makers throughout the country. Not just athletically, but politically. And he is, I think, very honestly, this week in this teleconference, showing you, man, we just don't know. There's no, I don't have answers. 
And that's pretty telling. A lot of times when things go on, you think about it, me and you as the fans or media on the outside, we're the ones asking the questions. And these guys, Sankey and Cohen and these guys, they know the answers. But they, they may not be able to tell us everything. We're in a different realm right now. We're in a realm where the decision makers, they don't know either. They don't know. All right. What about awarding eligibility back to athletes who just had maybe their senior season taken from them? If they're a baseball player or a softball player, for example. What about preserving their eligibility by saying, well, you didn't get to play because of the coronavirus break and all this, so we're going to award that eligibility back to you. You can still come back and play. What about that idea? Uh, Commissioner, have you um, have an opinion in regard to whether or not spring sport athletes should be given another year of eligibility? I'm certainly open to that. I've seen the, the national messaging. Uh, I actually just printed about eight pages of analysis from our conference compliance staff. Um, myself and my colleagues have had just preliminary discussions about what might this mean. Uh, I know among the conferences there's conversations as well. Uh, you know, the, the first read is that's an appropriate step uh, from my perspective, yet we have to understand the, the full set of implications. And I, and I hope we'll move through those rapidly because I think one of the assets for our young people is uh, knowing definitively what their eligibility status will be going forward. Uh, I do want to say I don't think this is simply a senior issue. You know, everybody in our programs, particularly spring sports, had their season disrupted. So my encouragement is we take a broad look uh, at, at what type of opportunities we offer going forward. I know there are a lot of things on the table. Is there any idea when that might be addressed? I know nationally there's work taking place now, Jimmy, but I don't have a date certain when an answer will be provided. Okay, so there you go. They're working on it. Don't have an answer on when it will be provided. Um, without going into great detail and you know giving you details that I probably shouldn't, I will tell you that you take my radio show, for example, this week. We had Keith Carter on the show, Athletics Director Ole Miss. We had John Cohen on the radio show, Athletics Director State. We had Scott Strickland on the show, Athletics Director Florida. Today we had Mike Leach on the show. And in varying degrees in getting those guys on the show, none of them was it a deal where the first time I requested an interview with a potential time to be on the show, they went, yeah, sure, I can do it. Every single one of them over the course of a day or two or even in one case about a week or so, it was trying to find a moment when they weren't on a conference call at that time of day so that they could be on the show. They are constantly talking with each other trying to figure this thing out as it changes what seems like it has changed every day. John Cohen, Athletics Director of Mississippi State, on the same subject, let me fix, straighten up my land bank hat right there. The same subject. Eligibility for the athletes that had it taken away from them. Listen to what Coach Cohen said. I really can't mm. come up with what, what's going to happen in terms of returning eligibility. Um, 
I'm glad that the, the NCAA has made some initial comments about restoring it. I, I personally certainly think that's the right thing to do, but it's extremely complicated mm. um, because we all know, and, and, and you're an athlete, Matt, you know this better than anybody. It's a cycle, right? So athletes are coming into the system. Athletes are exiting the system. If no athletes are exiting the system, how do you take more athletes in and how does that work? And do all roster restrictions go out the window? Do scholarship limits go out the window? Right. There are a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered for sure. That was John Cohen earlier this week on the show. All right, and then to today, Mike Leach, head football coach, Mississippi State. Again, thanks for tuning in, listening to the Dogpile Podcast presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Also brought to you by Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers and Country Pleasing Sausage. Look for the Country Pleasing brand, and when they ask you what you want, you say, Country Pleasing, please. And also brought to you in part by Nest and Wild Mattresses, a great Mississippi mattress company, high-quality mattresses delivered to your door in three to five days. That's nestandwild.com. Mike Leach on today's show. There's a couple things I'll pull, and I'll tell you how to go listen to the whole thing. You should if you haven't already. It's it's posted. The whole Mike Leach interview is posted on Facebook. Um, it's also posted on the radio show podcast, or so wherever you get podcasts, just search for The Matt Wyatt Show, and you'll see the most recent ones, the whole Mike Leach interview, but here's a couple of nuggets from that. So Mike Leach, about this break for his football team, uh, I heard about it, saw it. They had an incredible offseason program. And my question for Coach Leach today was, and you'll hear the question a little bit of it anyway, was are you worried as a coach that all that work now is out the window because you're not the team's still not together. Now they're all at home, and you have to depend on the players individually to kind of keep themselves in shape. Listen to the way Mike Leach answered that. How much work was being put in by the team? So for you as a head coach, is there a worry that that kind of goes down the drain? We're definitely going to uh, lose some of what we gained mm-hmm. uh, in the weight room and running because doing it on your own is entirely different than doing it with the group and uh, the notion that out of 120 guys or so, everybody's out there tearing it up, working out, or even able to, I mean, it's ridiculous. And um, uh, the thing I hope the most is that they're eating right, you know, because I think that'll maintain it the best, but there's definitely going to be some work to do um, when we're allowed to, you know, go full steam and practice again. No question about it. So there's, in his opinion, there's no question. You're going to lose a lot of the work that you put in in the weight room. Now, what you don't lose is the the instilling the standard, the expectation of how tough things are going to be at any time in the strength and conditioning program, and then the cohesiveness that you built. Those relationships, those things last. But the physical part of it, you could hear that there's a worry, and it's not just him, it's any coach. All coaches are a little worried that, you know, you think about it, you might have a guy who you're trying to keep down at a certain weight. And this kid now is at home, he doesn't have access to the same nutrition, the same types of good foods and everything right in front of him the way he's, if he's on campus, and he's at home and maybe he's eating, you know, hamburgers from a fast food restaurant every night or not eating healthy. Other people, you're trying to put weight on and, you know, so... 
Number one worry is, are they eating right? And then, you know, just basically the admission that, look, there's just no way a guy's going to go home and work as hard on his own as if he were here with us. And that's just the fact. That's just the way things are. So every coach is really dealing with that. And then I asked uh, Coach Leach on today's radio show about personally how he's dealing with the quarantine, the social distancing himself. Here's what he said. Now, if you got little kitties watching, there's one little bleep in there. You might want to go earmuffs here for the first 10 seconds. How are you personally dealing with the quarantine, just staying away? How, how are you getting through it every day? Oh, shoot. I mean, it's a complete pain in the ass, I'll tell you that. But I try to be optimistic about it. I, uh, you know, I get as much done on my phone as I can. You know, and then I, I try to uh, I try to get a, a little exercise every day. Um, you know, the one thing that you can uh, do is, you know, everybody says they don't get enough sleep. You read every article, they don't get enough sleep. People don't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, everything would be perfect if everybody got enough sleep, which uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't paid attention to that for decades. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm getting more sleep. For a while, I watched... Uh, you know, the news like everybody else all the time, but that is so redundant. It's so much the same thing. It's same people saying the same stuff over and over. So I try to watch one thing a day just to get a general catch up on it. And then after that, deliberately make sure I don't watch anything else. You know, but that's the, that's the thing. We, you don't want this to be non-productive time because we can make this time productive. And the worst thing you can do is sit and, and pout and whine and worry about what you don't have. He said, the worst thing you can do is sit and pout and whine and worry about what you don't have. Amen. I'll tell you this. I Like, push come to shove. If things get bad enough, my family, we will eat every fish out of this pond right here behind my house. <laughs> we'll eat every one of them. We have to. And I'm not going to complain. I'm glad they're in there. You talk about fresh food. What's fresher than fish swimming around that pond? <laughs> it's just one way to look at it. <laughs> right? <clears throat> right, Mississippi? Land bank! Uh, so there you go. Mike Leach. Now, if I, I encourage you to go and listen to the entire interview. It was about 20 minutes. As I said earlier, the whole interview is posted on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. Uh, it's available on the back end of the live stream of the whole radio show from today on Periscope. You can find that. It's also posted as a podcast, the entire interview. And uh, so uh, anywhere that you can get a podcast, you can search for the Matt Wyatt show and the whole interview will be there. And i tell you what I'm going to do. i tell you what I'm going to do. Um, the Dogpile podcast that you're probably subscribed to where you can listen to it on your phone when we're not doing it live. I'll post the whole interview there of Mike Leach as well. So we'll get it posted in both places for you. All right. So make sure you um, uh, listen in. All right. It is time now for our flashback, our dog pile flashback presented by the Mississippi State University Golf Course. They on Twitter are at Hale State GC. Now, what does GC stand for? Golf course. At Hale State GC. As I told you, they sent me this handy-dandy Mississippi State baseball logo fishing shirt. How about that, huh? 
the stretchy material, cover your arm. It's cool as all get out, but it covers your arms up, protects you from the sun. Thank y'all so much. At Hale State GC, they've got great sales going on right now, discounts and a lot of stuff. Call them or hit them up on Twitter. Tell them what you want. They'll ship it right to your house. Uh, the phone number, you know, everything on campus is a 325 prefix. So it's just 325-3028. Got it? 325-3028. That's the Mississippi State University golf course. All right. So tonight's Hale State flashback. Sorry. Tonight's Dogpile Flashback, brought to you by the Mississippi State University Golf Course. We are going back to the 2016 Egg Bowl. I don't know what we ought to call it, if that thing has a name or whatever, but it was the game that Nick Fitzgerald could not be stopped. Here it is. Highlights, 2016 Egg Bowl. Williams, huge. 25. Crosses the 15-yard line before he is brought down. Why not come back with him? His second touchdown of the game. Mm, what a good interior. Fitzgerald on a fake and a wide-open receiver. Touchdown, Mississippi State. Malik Deer, who can do just a little bit of everything. Breaks up the middle to daylight. Can they catch him? They cannot. Touchdown, Mississippi State. How about this young man from Richmond Hill, Georgia? Third down, another quarterback run for Fitzgerald. Underdog Mississippi State with a nice, comfortable lead, 8.51. And speaking of in, here comes Fitzgerald again. Headed for the end zone, dives pylon. Touchdown, Bulldogs. Oh, my, what a game he's having. This has to be one of the great quarterback performances in Egg Bowl history. He's done 30 yards, Jess. Yeah, he's done the majority of it on the ground, and just Ole Miss has had no answer for the QB zone read all night. Dan Mullins did a nice job mixing it up. There's been some outside zone read, but it's been running in between the tackles, and again, Nobody filling gaps, poor missed assignments, bad tackling. The football hits the pylon. That's a touchdown. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Flashback, 2016 Egg Bowl. Nick Fitzgerald went slap off. But you know who else was outstanding? Well, the rest of the team was outstanding in that game. They put up 40 points and held Ole Miss to 20, I guess, uh, or whatever it was. But you know, um, you know one thing – Eris Williams was fantastic in that offense back then. And um, of all the things that happened during that changeover of the coaching staffs and, you know, and offensive systems and philosophy and stuff after Mullen left and in came Coach Moorhead and that, and that uh, staff, of all those things, and we can look on it now, um, of all those things, the the Eris Williams story to me is the most probably the most curious, and if I'm being honest, just feels a little bit like, you know, something was not right. Now, you know, I don't know any details behind the scenes, whatever. I just know that, you know, he had been so good 
Eris Williams was a guy who was like an automatic yards after contact guy, just carry after carry. You know, you think about that 2000 and uh, what that 2016, well, that 2016 season. But then you go 2017. Think about that game against Alabama and how he was a thousand yard rusher that year. And then with a new coaching staff in, he was just an afterthought and was such a good player. Uh, before all that, no, he didn't have the electric speed or necessarily like you know the athleticism of a of a draft pick type running back, but he was somebody that when he was going, man, they could give it to him, and he was just he was so good at taking on contact at three yards and turning it into six, you know, and at six yards hitting a, hitting a guy and pulling away from him and turning that into fifteen. You know, I think about that A&M game that year. And then it's like he really just didn't get – I don't know if it if he had a problem. I don't know if there was something personal. I don't know if he acted up. I don't know any of that stuff. I just know that then when the changeover happened for his senior year, he was pretty much an afterthought. And, and Kylan Hills, we know how good he was and is and how athletic he is and what his future was. But at that particular time, you know, you're looking back at a, at a sophomore Kylan Hill – you know, you just can't help. I can't help but feel a little bit sorry for Eris Williams and and how the things, you know, worked out. So, it's fun for me to turn those highlights on and look back at the career that he had. Hope it is for you too. Uh, Kyle said, "I'm happy right now." Lynn said, "Awesome." Joy said, "Truth." Kyle said, "Remember how people blame the team struggles on fits in 2018? That still bothers me." Kyle, it bothers me too. Um, issues with that 2018 offense and uh, the problems, the confusion in the past game. <clears throat> it was um, to lay it all on the shoulders of a uh, Nick Fitzgerald for that year. It may have seemed okay at the time. Looking back on it, it was, it is, and it was completely bogus. Kyle says, you're right, Matt. The Aris situation was weird. I said, Aris, yeah, Aris Williams. I'd love to know. Lane also says, agreed on A-Train. You never, you, I don't know. And sometimes you wonder, you know, you life moves on, and, you know, you wonder what's worth going back and rehashing to try to figure out and find out, but... One of these days we might, you know, get answers on that, but you just can't help but feel like, you know, what happened wasn't right for him to have been as good as he was prior to that. And it seems to me that if you'd been a hard-nosed football team, we're going to do what we do that first year of a new staff in 2018. We're going to go run it at people. We're going to build around that. Man, you had the parts. You had a Fitz. You had an A-Train. You had a young Kylan, and none of it, you know, <clears throat> I guess it's things like that why you've now had another coaching change. All right. Hope you enjoyed everything here on the podcast. Dog Pile presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Live in the Farm Bureau studio. Also presented in part by Country Pleasing Sausage and Nest and Wild Mattresses. Thanks for tuning in. 
Next time you have a question or a thought about something we ought to do or something you'd like to see on the flashback presented by the Mississippi State University Golf Course, y'all send it to me on Twitter, right? Or even on Facebook and use the hashtag dogpile because I'm following that. I'll see it if it pops up. I get notifications anybody, anytime anybody uses that hashtag. So questions, comments, but especially if you have an idea for the flashback, that's a huge help. And trying to do these more often. Um, hail state to you there on Periscope. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what time you know the goal is in the evenings like this, uh, but I'm usually a pretty early to bed guy, so some nights we may do it prior to 8 p.m. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow night. Plan on doing it at some point on Sunday as well and day by day going forward. You know what, Max? A lot of people have requested Big Hit Mac does it again. It's a good idea. We've had a bunch of football flashbacks, though. You know, I mean, I got a football brain. All right, thank you for watching. Russell, appreciate the comment. Kyle, same thing. Dale, thanks for everybody for watching on Facebook. I'm out. We'll see you tomorrow on the Dogpile Podcast. See you then. See you.